Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. So I hope that put a little bit of a smile on your face. There was enough giggles in the sanctuary here to make it worthwhile. But, but sometimes we as a church, we just kind of assume everybody understands what's happening. And that may not always be the case. So this, so this Reformation Day, I hope you can see how even in the video, it is a complicated day. And that is the theme that I really want to draw on today. It is a complicated theme. And so what is it that we do with this? I remember the first time that I heard about Reformation Day, and if, if you don't know this, I went to Gettysburg Seminary, and so I did all of my theological education with Lutherans. Lutherans, I love you dearly, right? <laughs> but, but Lord have mercy on my soul. It, it's, it's always been my way, but it's not the easiest way in the world to be the only UCC slash reform kid in a whole school full of Lutherans. But anyway, first time I heard about this Reformation Day was at, was at school, when a wild group of Lutheran church nerds, and every church has their own nerds, I'm not picking on Lutheran church nerds, who at first, like all of a sudden they're just celebrating at the end of October. I'm like, what, what are you guys doing? I just figured, since a lot of Lutherans have German roots, they were just, they were supposed to be winding down. I just figured they were doing their German Oktoberfest celebrations and finally sending it out with a bang. I'm like, is that what you guys are doing with your beer and brats there? I was like, what's going on? And they're like, no, it's Reformation Day. Don't you know what that is? And I'm like, well, I know about the Reformation. I didn't know we celebrated it. And so they start telling me all this stuff about why the Red Paraments, why it is the same playing of a mighty fortress every single Sunday. And though we could pick something else, I just couldn't do it. We had to do it today. And so they helped me understand a little bit about why this is a celebration. As I asked them, the answer from my Lutheran friends broke down into a few basic categories. There are two basic answers that they gave me as to why we celebrate this day. Their official take was that we reclaimed in the Reformation the most fundamental and basic tenet of our faith, that salvation comes not by our works, but salvation comes by God's grace through faith. It is not us, it is God who does the work of salvation. For Luther, the light bulb went off, and if, if you read some of his, his autobiographical stuff, and it, he, he explains that the, the, this light bulb went off for him as he read Romans 1, where it says, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. It's not our righteousness, Luther discovered. It is the righteousness of God that sets us free. All of this is true. And we would wrap our arms around that and say, yes, this is the most fundamental thing about our faith. God has done the work. But you keep talking about that. And what I started to hear and what I still hear in celebrations of this day is this other undertone of, well, this is our theology, salvation by grace through faith. This belongs to us, which means those people over there, whoever you might identify them to be, have a different theology or are different than us or we reject them because they don't believe the way we believe. Which I thought was weird because usually people say, it, it, usually it comes out as, well, we're not Catholic anymore 
And I kept hearing all the, pope, all the recent popes say, you know what, Luther was basically right. So why are, why are we, if we are celebrating division, why are we celebrating division? Furthermore, keep thinking about it, it's the only celebration on our church calendar that celebrates a moment of church history that is not directly linked to any celebration in scripture. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, I'm just saying that it's odd that we do that. It is odd that we celebrate theology, it is odd that we celebrate history, and it is odd that often the celebration means we are glad that we are not those people. As a pastor, I never ever want to say, I'm glad I'm not those guys. And I don't really need a day to celebrate salvation through God's grace. I don't need an extra day for that. You know why? Because we have the cross. Good Friday and Easter are the very thing that we celebrate that says God has done the work on our behalf for salvation. So often on this day, I feel this need to want to pull back, want to apologize a little bit and say, well, yeah, we're going to celebrate Reformation Day, but we're not going to celebrate it that way. I want to minimize sometimes the impact of this day. Because sometimes it can emphasize some of the things that are most challenging and most difficult about our faith. And yet, I can't shake the feeling that there is a real need for this day still. Because as I look over church history, as, as I have become one of the church nerds that I used to make fun of, as I, as I look back over history, I'm often saying to myself, you know what? The church has gotten things wrong the church has gone sideways time and time and time again that doesn't mean that we haven't remained faithful it doesn't mean there hasn't been good stuff but we can look at our own history and say "Eh, there's some stuff that's not great in there what and it's reasonable for us to say well what makes us think all of a sudden we got it right in the 1500s why then we can I also in my own soul can say you know what sometimes the world changes and we can feel those changes as dire threats or we can see the opportunity to grow which is exactly what Luther did the whole world was changing around Luther and Luther decided that this wasn't a threat to the church it was an opportunity to move the church forward without diving into a huge history lesson do we not see in our own time that the church is in need of revitalization Do we not see at times that the life and mission of the wider church at times has gotten stale? Are we not, and can we not be inspired by a man who struggled mightily with his faith? Luther was by, by, was by no means sort of the most, the most impassioned and the most committed. He struggled mightily with his faith. We also suspect that Luther struggled mightily with his mental health as well. And yet, nevertheless, all of this, he endured in his convictions, enduring the unbearable criticisms and threats to his life that he faced. And he endured for his life's work of calling the church to God's emasculate grace. Are we not inspired by this story? And can we not see the challenges that are ahead of us as our world undergoes now? Massive, massive changes. Friends, in this moment, I invite you to see the comical irony of celebrating Reformation Day in the middle of a pandemic. Because if you go back to Luther, you know what caused the Reformation? The Reformation really, it got started back in the 1300s with a little thing called the bubonic plague. And you can draw a straight line from the plague all the way to the massive changes of the Reformation. And you can accompany that with equally massive changes in the way that people communicated back in those times. Pandemic, massive changes in communication, 
leads to reformation. Does this sound familiar? Go ahead, laugh about how familiar indeed it sounds so that we don't cry. Friends, we need a story that inspires us. We need a story that helps us navigate our moment. And Reformation Day is that day. We actually need it now more than ever, but not as a tool to say we are not those people. And it needs to come from Luther's powerful example of when he wrote those theses and he just nailed them to the door. That needs to be the thing that inspires us in this moment going forward. What was Luther doing when he did this? Nailing a piece, a very large piece of paper to the door of a church feels antagonistic. If you were to come here to the church and nail something to the church door, we would think that you were probably upset about something. It feels like medieval punk rock behavior. But it really wasn't. Luther was just doing what anybody would have done in terms of inviting a conversation. Nailing stuff to the door was about as radical as any one of us coming in and thumbtacking something to one of the bulletin boards that are here in the church. Luther was simply inviting, in, conven in the conventional form for his time, an organized, thoughtful debate about the issues that were ravaging the church at the time. And while Luther gained later a well-earned reputation as a master insulter, his theses do not actually come out that way. They are actually rather gentle and yet firm. They are, they are asking questions, but not in a way intended to incite. Luther had questions, and he wanted to talk about them, and he wanted to find answers. And in this way, not as a radical revolution, but as a genuine inquiry, genuine curiosity, Luther can become for us a symbol for a much wider, much larger idea inside of Christianity. The idea that we ought to be everywhere, constantly wrestling with our faith, constantly searching for new understandings and new revelations, constantly asking what is going on here and what is it that God is calling us to do in this moment. We remember, of course, that it was Jesus who promised that there would always be questions. There was always new learning to be done. Jesus himself says, when I send the Holy Spirit, she will teach you all sorts of things that I haven't had the opportunity to yet. Jesus says this. He's like, y'all, there's more to come forth. Be ready for that. And yet, true to our sinful nature that sometimes seeks to preserve at all costs, with little imagination for what may yet be breaking forth. Sometimes as church, we neglect to pursue that spirit that is trying to take us to the next place that God wants us to go. So in our, in our gospel reading today, Jesus commends the kind of attitude that is willing to ask hard questions in the pursuit of new knowledge. Regardless of how we identify as Christians and where we find ourselves or what our relationship to faith is, we can get to the point very easily where we simply acquiesce to whatever has been told us and we just look to kind of ride out our faith without anybody making any waves, without anything ever changing, without anybody making anything hard. But that is not the history of the church and it is not the history of our scriptures. But you and me in the world still need the gospel to keep speaking, to keep exploring answers to the new questions that we have to ask in every generation. And so Jesus tells this story. Jesus tells the story of a widow who would have been somebody who was utterly powerless in their society, 
And she keeps coming to this unjust judge. He is always identified as unjust. Says so she keeps coming to him and says, grant me justice against my adversary. The cry is for justice. Unfortunately, she's pleading to a judge who is very comfortable, is very stale, is very unwilling, gives off all of the signs of just wanting to ride out his post until retirement. Widows have none of it. She keeps asking and asking and asking, throwing little rocks at his bedroom window, banging on the door, even when it feels pointless, even when it feels like what she is saying is a total waste of breath, because this dude ain't going to lift a finger to help her. She keeps coming back. She keeps seeking justice. She keeps asking the questions. And it is not the wisdom of her questions that ultimately gets the judge to move. It's just her her. Her nonstop attitude, she just will not quit until she got an answer. And the judge is finally like, enough, fine, here, just give me some peace, leave me alone. Jesus celebrates this woman who will not stop seeking for God to take action. Persistence in the pursuit of justice is what the gospel is all about. The inexhaustible search for justice, for truth, for the flowering of the gospel is good news and is the responsibility of the church. We are to be the widow that is constantly seeking justice for others, constantly asking new questions, and engaging in the conversations that will teach us new things that the Spirit wants to teach us. This is why Jesus challenges his apostles right at the end of this reading when he says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will the Son of Man find a people willing to be so persistent, willing to be so brave as to ask hard questions, willing to be so inquisitive? Indeed, will he find a church that is so burdened by the world, so burdened by injustice, that we simply will not stop asking and talking and seeking until we have found an answer that is in keeping with the, with the will of God as we can best understand it? That's what we're called to do. That's what Luther was up to in the Reformation. He was seeking new learning. He was seeking that the Holy Spirit would break forth in new ways for a church that actually had gotten to the point where it was oppressing its own people. And that's what the Reformation at its best is all about. There's still more learning to break forth. And only by the church being persistent and brave will we discover what it is the Holy Spirit is doing. Luther, requit, Luther refused to quit asking questions until he got an answer. And brothers and sisters, we are that answer. Friends, for all we know, for all we know about what God is doing in the world, for all we know about church history and our place in it, has it ever occurred to you, for all we know, we might still be the early church? That we might not actually have the faith all nailed down and sorted out and figured out. That we might actually just only be in the beginning chapters. There's no guarantee that this is the end. Or that somehow we're, we're a long way down the road. We might actually just be getting started in what it means. We may yet still be discovering the very basics of our faith. We may yet still be making the, quote, what we consider the great ancient saints that generations beyond us will take inspiration in. We might be those ancient saints. 
We may yet be undergoing a massive change of course that isn't the disruptive destruction of our church, but rather is reflective of the natural cycles of life and death that are also at once nature and resurrection. We might, for all we know, we are the early church. And if we are such a church, then we must engage the questions of our time. We must be willing to say, well, what about that? What would it look like for God's justice to break forth in that thing? And so I ask you, what questions are in front of us to ask now? What questions remain for us to be wrestled with? What have we wrestled with that we need to keep wrestling with? What new questions are emerging that we haven't spent any time thinking about? And now we're like, aha, the Holy Spirit has taken us to a new place. If this understanding of Reformation is true, if we are to always be asking, seeking, knocking, as Jesus says, then the very worst thing we could ever do is think of ourselves as reformed, with the ED ending, symbolizing an action that is completed, that is finalized, that is wrapped up with a nice, neat bow, a status locked and unchangeable. Friends, we must relearn the essential idea that we are to be the reforming church. We must be a church that throws ourselves with courage and resolve into the asking the questions of our time, advocating for our neighbors, and seeking the Holy Spirit breaking forth in ways that we never could have imagined. Does it get messy at times? Yeah, it does. Is it hard at times? Yeah, it is. Are there times when we will actually feel inside of us the division that Luther saw at, in, across nations? God forbid, but that's at least a possibility. And yet, we are to be the reforming church. We are to be a, refor- a church of the Reformation. Not just us, but every church is to be a church of the Reformation, seeking where the Holy Spirit is taking us. And if none of this is convincing, let me leave you with this fact. You look back across church history. Don't want to overstate this, but it almost seems like every 500 years or so, God does something that is fundamentally disruptive. 500 years after Christ, we had the split of the Eastern and the Western church. A thousand years after that, all of a sudden it just flew out of my head. 1500, we get the Reformation. You know what? Here we are, 500 years later, at a time where we need the church to speak more than ever in our lifetimes. Here we are. What will Reformation look like for us? Will it be we are not those people, or will it be we are God's people seeking after God's knowledge in our own day and time? Let us always and everywhere be the reforming church, and in doing so, discover the love of God for ourselves and for our neighbors.